Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint left, GU corner, half back, flat, on two. Ready? Right. Now here's your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42! Blue 42! Well, Rock, before we get to question one, a penny for your thoughts on Rashad Penny. Oh, wow. Nice to have you back, Polly. It's good to be back. You're on the wedding tour circuit, right? Wedding singer? Oh, uh, Milwaukee. Uh, yes, it was a Sunday wedding. It was a Jewish wedding, which I think are the most fun because you get to do the chair dancing at the very end of it. And oh, uh, yeah, oh. good old time. Good nice. old time. Tore up the dance floor. What do I think of Rashad Penny? I would uh, totally agree with your commentary there, Danny. That He is unfortunately not one that's gained any trust of the program. I think right now, if there was a trust meter amongst players and coaches and folks upstairs, not a talent meter, but a trust meter, the trust meter would be higher for Alex Collins than it is for Rashad Penny. And that is a bummer. I mean, that's a first-round pick. That is a, a that, that's a pick where there were other elite running backs and difference makers and guys that have proven in their career to, to be studs in this league. And unfortunately, as of right now, Rashad has just not been that guy, nor has he gained the trust of the people around him, and that's not the position you want to be in. He's in the best shape of his life for the second time I can remember. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to question one. We're going to play a little Pete Carroll in a moment. Pete didn't seem that concerned about Jamal Adams' contract situation. That situation did ultimately get resolved. He doesn't seem that concerned about Dwayne Brown either. Here he is being asked about Brown, his absences from training camp, and if he's concerned about him being out there week one. No, he's he had to go home. He had a, uh, an urgent family issue, and he's been gone for a couple days. He's, he's back today. Do you have any concern about the opener? No, I'm not concerned about that. He's always going to be calm, cool, collected. Mm-hmm. Where is your concern level at right now when it comes to getting Dwayne Brown back onto the field? Well, I do think he's going to play week one. I mean, what's $10 million divided by 16? A lot. And I, yeah, and I know that he's made a ton of dough. I guess we got to do over 17 or really 18 weeks now. So what's $10 million divided by 18? Six hundred grand a, a game. And he has millions in the bank, and, and I understand all of that. But that's still an incredible incredible amount of money that, you know, usually when push comes to shove, guys like that $600,000 paycheck for their 60 minutes of work on a Sunday. So I do think he eventually is, is going to be there week number one in Indianapolis. You're going to desperately need him. He's one of your most talented, best players. What's my concern meter? It's actually low as far as him being there. I would sure love to see the two sides meet in the middle. I would love two reasonable minds to, to come together on this deal and and obviously, as of now, that's not happened. And, and you know, I don't think it's too much speculation to read into it that the Seahawks, frankly, are the ones not even entertaining it. If you listen to John Schneider, who tends to be fairly honest, he doesn't talk a lot to the media, but, but when he does, he's usually fairly transparent, sometimes maybe too honest, which is why he doesn't talk a ton to the media. But I think if I read into some of his comments from pregame a couple weeks ago, they're not... They're just not entertaining that. They're not making that call. They're not going down that road. They don't want to start that conversation. And so I think, unfortunately for Dwayne, there's not going to be an extension before week number one. I agree with you. I don't think there is. 
I don't think the Seahawks are engaging in that level, and that's. I, I think that, I think Seattle's comfortable with that decision. I I still think there's a great deal of uncertainty of whether or not Dwayne Brown's going to play um, without an extension. I, I think that remains very much up. In you the think air, he could be that Se- that steadfast, that stubborn, just as a this stage of his career? Yeah. Yeah. Look, this off this off season. There was, I don't know how it was communicated, but this offseason, there was talk originating from Brown about him not being sure if he was going to play in 2021. I mean, that's, so I, I think there's, I think there's some uncertainty as, as the team's trying to figure out what's going on of how much does he think he has left? Yeah. So that, that's what I would, I, I think it's a complicated question. Um, I, as I far think as replaceable be. players, where does he sit on your roster? Oh, he's he's at the top. Here's the problem, though, Brock, is that paying him an extension doesn't doesn't make it any more likely that he's going to be able to finish the contract. Right? It's like putting more into yeah. an art. Like if if I put myself in the situation of the GM, if you hear in March that hey, he he's thinking about not playing. Like that that's if, if that's what you're hearing, and I don't know the exact way that was communicated. And and the next thing you hear is like he wants an extension. <laughs> like right. Every 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 like my ears don't just perk up. Like every sense is like, okay, what's really going on here? Yeah, I guess the only evidence there then, Danny, is what kind of shape does he come in? Yeah, how that's does, true. You know, it, how true. does he how, how does he look? Does he come in at three hundred and fifty bills and is just out of it? Is he come in lighter and, and hasn't lifted, hadn't done anything? Came in in pretty impeccable yeah, shape. It, it looks pretty big. You're right. And You're right cer- about that, Brock. You know, I, I, that that would be the only thing to try to cut through and say, okay, then at this stage, we kind of know, right? Veterans go one of two ways: yeah. they either blow up or they don't do anything. He's going to lose all the strength. Too. Correct. He's going to get yeah. skinny, he isn't he? Will. I mean, yeah. he's yeah, he's going to drop 100 pounds when he's done playing. <laughs> he's going to go on that Robbie Toback, Steve Hutchinson. <laughs> it's Hutchinson. Hutchinson lost it. Like he's Steve Hutch. He lost his ensign. <laughs> Question two. Brock, I turn to you as as a man with the big quarterback brain because I heard this from Greg Cosell and I kicked a garbage can because I think he's an idiot. This is listen to his explanation and I want you to tell me if if you're buying it. Does what he's saying about Jamal Adams make a lick of sense? I think he's a certain kind of player, Ross. I think with Jamal Adams, you have to play a certain way on defense. Jamal Adams is a box player, he's a blitzer, and by the way, the, the, the statistics uh, for the Seahawks defense when Jamal Adams blitzed last year were atrocious. They got lit up when he blitzed. So uh, Jamal Adams is a certain kind of player. He's not Ed Reed. He's not Troy Palomalu. Um, you need to play him close to the line of scrimmage. He's an aggressive downhill player. Like I said, they blitzed him a ton, but they were not successful in their past defense when he blitzed. So you end up being able to you end up being somewhat limited in what you can do defensively mm. i don't discount a lot of that that that, that first commentary i no 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 i discount the last part when you say well you're limited with him on the field i, I would disagree with that aspect I, I don't think you are but i mean danny he's he's going to point to numbers and just raw data that says hey you know when when he blitzed when he was the fifth guy now that's not jamal adams fault that's what I've told you guys for the last two months. That's what we talked about yesterday and why I clamor for a move for a cornerback, right? If you're going to bring him, that's going to leave what? That's going to leave people in one-on-one situations. Your linebackers, linebackers got to be able to cover tight ends and backs. 
Can Jordan Brooks and Bobby do that in an elite level? I think that's to be determined in that question. Can your corners, Trey Flowers, Akeel Witherspoon, DJ Reed, uh, whoever's going to be in your slot, Blair, Ugo Amadi, can they cover one-on-one? I think that's very much a question. I think that that is the single greatest liability right now on the roster. Your ability to play straight man-to-man coverage and play the ball and be difference makers. So I think Cassell is that, Brock, yeah. but that doesn't have anything to do with Jamal Adams and how he plays. Like that's that like what he's saying is Well, you Jamal can't Adams leave is, him one on one. So you can't bring no. other people he, he, because he too is a liability in coverage. But then you're, you know, if if you are going to bring him and that is his str- I would say this about Jamal and I think where he's really missing the point as well is Jamal is an elite Maybe the single best run-stopping safety in the there game. There we go. There we that, go. That, that's what he is. If he would have started his commentary there, listen, Jamal Adams, if I, I give you all the data, when he's the extra defender and he's around the line of scrimmage, look at their defense. Look at the turn it made with Carlos Dunlap in the second half. Yes. You like my word, Pete, from Pete Carroll right there? The turn yes, he made? Yes, made the turn. That was homage to you, Pete, if you're listening, or your wife or family or anybody else. I love that word. So he is an elite run-stopping safety. He is not a coverage guy. And he's a, he is an elite blitzer. He can get home. But you better have people on the back end to cover it. So, yeah, a lot of that commentary was detrimental, I think, to Jamal. And, and I agree with you, Danny. I could see why you bruised your toe kicking the can. Because, hey, man, he can't control the other guys. Like, you've got to do your end now. You've got to pick up your part of it. If you're going to make this trade, then, well, you've got to finish it off and get other guys that you feel can really cover so you can bring him as that extra pass rusher and that extra blitzer. Or... You know, and, and again, like I, I would combat his point of, well, it limits what you can do. No, it doesn't. Now you just got to be a little more creative. And maybe it's it's zone blitz, right? And maybe it's making sure you get people on the field and underneath coverage. You know, maybe that's a little more Daryl Taylor, who's athletic and could cover a little bit more space. If you zone blitz, you still bring four, you cover with seven, and Jamal is the fourth and not the fifth or the sixth, leaving you more vulnerable. Question three. I would like to see Adams maybe have some of those moments in New York where he was solid. I thought like in coverage against tight ends at the very least, but maybe that's a bygone era. Role play, Brock. This is not live action role playing. This is just role playing. Good, good. You, you are know what na- happens when you when you You're now Everson Griffin. How are you apologizing to Kirk Cousins? Are you Ooh. going to write an apology note like my mother Kitsy would have me do? Do you apologize? Do you, know, do you know? Do you know what Everson Griffin said about Kirk, uh, uh, Kirk Cousins? It is kind of he bad, said, right? Called he said Kirk, Cous- Kirk Cousins is cheeks. And if you don't believe me, go ask Mike Zimmer if he wanted cousins. <laughs> <laughs> and this was this was a really long time ago. It was in January. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now he's going back to Minnesota. Well, I think you do what Boy Howdy did when he called Kirk Cousins uh, homeschool Tom Brady. You just apologize to his face. And you have a little fun with it, right? You gotta, ha- you gotta have. I-, I think if you're Everson Griffin, like you gotta have a little tongue in cheek, a little fun. But I, uh, yeah, I think that's probably something that's gotta gotta be done in person, and hopefully not fester. Will that happen? Uh, will that happen without other adults coming in and bringing them together? I've told the story a few times of Mike Vanderjack and the very first team meeting after the whole episode with Peyton and him and Peyton at the Pro Bowl calling him a you know drunk idiot kicker. And, liquored up kicker. Our kicker yeah. got liquored up. Our idiot that, kicker got liquored up. 
Dungy did not mess around. That did not fester. The very first team meeting, and in those days, that was like late March, early April with the off-season program. Those two came up front, right? They buried the hatchet. You know, we're all good. I apologize. Shouldn't have said that. Peyton apologized. Shouldn't have called you a, a you know, liquored up kicker. Idiot, idiot kicker who got liquored up. <laughs> yes. But they, they buried that right from the jump. And I would think that adults now, is that Mike Zimmer? Is that his personality? Not necessarily. But that got, that's got to be somebody on that staff. That's why you have, you know, people that. Marquand Manuel, right? And others that are that are you know not not Marquand. He's a coach. Who's the who's the director of player with the players Spielman? down there? Okay, now with the Seahawks. Oh, Mo Kelly. Know. There you go, Mo. Yep, Mo Kelly. That's what that is the role of Mo Kelly, right? Player development, player enhancement, office right off the locker room. He's got to be the one to to settle. I think some of those battles and and whoever that is in Minnesota that probably falls on his desk this morning. Uh, my favorite thing about the Vanderjack. Peyton Manning rivalry. Uh, calling someone the idiot kicker getting liquored up is pretty good. The The best thing that happened after that was the ESPN the magazine story. And I don't know if it was before or after that meeting that you're talking about, Brock. But Mike Vanderjagt was on the cover of ESPN the magazine. And mm. the headline was, Butt Kicker. And it was about how Vanderjack is just this truth teller from Canada. <laughs> he just doesn't he doesn't know how to say it. and he was doing exactly oh. he was holding Peyton Manning and Tony Disgusting. Dungy and the rest of the Colts to the bar mm. to which he holds mm. himself. Disgusting. And it even mentioned that he considered suing Peyton Manning because because well he doesn't drink. So it was it was libelous. It was libelous right. what Peyton had said. Mm. <laughs> Vanderjack was an idiot kicker. Peyton Manning did nothing wrong. That he got a cover and Adam Vinatieri, who once tackled Herschel Walker. Oh, God. This was not oh, some segue there from more Patriot oh, conversation. Need to bring no, out of here. Go. No, g- <laughs> done with that. Oh, by Good the way, Lord. by the way, was Vinatieri at, uh, at Peyton's Hall of Fame uh, function Oh, was party? he? Yeah, he was. Was a long snapper. How Justin his hair? Was, was a long snapper. Justin Snow there. But yeah, he was. Was Hunter the punter Smith there? Yeah, yeah, he was. So basically, was the entire battery there, save for one? Yeah. Yep. Uh, yes, he was. Because uh, Vader Jerk boy, wasn't there. Nah, Cover Boy wasn't there. He wasn't there. <laughs> remember when his Pro Bowl jersey got stolen? I don't remember that. <laughs> he has it at a bar, I guess. And someone went into the bar at night and just took it. And I think that there actually was a posted like, "Can you please find my Pro Bowl jersey?" No, like, no, it wasn't stolen. It was used as a dish rag. They didn't have anything else. And I think it was I told this up. story, and I know we're late, but. Uh, you, <laughs> One of the off seasons when I was there, there was a uh, there was a function, a, a charitable function with John Cougar Mellencamp, Indiana guy, right? Just just yeah. uh, Indiana roots. And those three, uh, Vander Jack, Hunter, Justin, all went to it, and they bought a guitar, uh, one of John Cougar's guitars. Uh, Vander Jack did, or yeah, I think it was Vander Jack, and because uh, he had the jack, so he buys the guitar. And after the function, goes up to uh, to John Cougar and says, "Hey, man, would you autograph this?" And John Cougar Mellencamp looked at him, and goes, "Yeah, yeah, that's going to happen." <laughs> there you go we'll talk to you boys thursday love you <laughs> that is brock Heward, blue 42 that's fantastic <laughs>